as someone who works full-time with the commute and has a family to take care of, you don't have time or energy to devote hours in the kitchen trying to whip up dinner for the family. That's exactly why I created my ultimate kitchen guide for quick and easy meals. In this guide, you'll find a list of foods that you should have on hand in your kitchen on a regular basis, along with tips on how to put things together on your plate to create a balanced anti-inflammatory meal. Imagine a world where you can come home and whip up a healthy meal in like 20 to 30 minutes and still have time to kick your feet up on the couch and catch up on your shows before bed. Yes, it's not a dream. It's your new reality. All you have to do is head to www.betterwithcarbo.com forward slash guide and grab your free copy today. That's betterwithcarbo.com forward slash guide. Get ready for healthier meals with less kitchen stress. We are what we think we are and we become what we think we are. So if you think crappy thoughts about yourself, you're gonna feel crappy. So trying to be a bit more mindful and catching yourself when you speak to yourself in this kind of negative way is really important and can really support your immune system. I'm Chrissy Carbo, registered dietitian and host of the Inflamed in the Brain podcast. Here we cut through the confusion and complexity of inflammatory health to deliver straightforward, bite-sized strategies and information you can easily apply to your life. Not too long ago, I was lost in a sea of information, overwhelmed by the challenges of inflammation. But through years of trial, education, and self-discovery, I have learned to break free from the chaos of fad diets and cultivate a practical anti-inflammatory lifestyle that not only helped me stabilize my own diagnosis, but thrive with it. Whether you're an autoimmune warrior or simply seeking a healthier, uncomplicated life, you found your tribe. Join me as we explore realistic strategies that can make a profound difference in your life. So if you're ready to embrace a simpler, healthier way of living, you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in, learn, and grow together. Welcome to the Inflamed in the Brain podcast. Let's get started. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Inflamed in the Brain podcast, I'm Chrissy, your host, and I hope you're having a great day so far. I, you know, I've been thinking a little bit lately about how whenever we want to become healthier, improve some area of our health, our default is to audit the food that we eat, which to a certain extent, I understand why. I think compared to a lot of other external factors, the food that we eat, we have the most control over. But with that being said, sometimes we end up white knuckling our diets and overanalyzing every single bite. And that not only causes stress, but we often forget to then take a look at other areas of our life that are just as important as diet. And we as humans are so much more complex than the food that we eat. We are complex creatures. There is so much more involved in determining our health outcomes than just the food we eat. So with that being said, I wanted to talk about four non-food ways to boost your immune system. You'll hear me talking about supporting your immune system a lot because chronic inflammation and autoimmunity is a result of an overactive immune system. What causes your immune system to overreact really depends on the person. We all have our own triggers and reactions to different environmental exposures, and because of our individuality, we need to take an individualistic approach to diet. These strategies that we're going to talk about today that have nothing to do with food are really great strategies for anyone and everyone because they support our body's natural ability to regulate body temperature, detox, and they support our body's natural response to stress, something that we're all born with. When we support our immune system from all angles, not just food, 
we're ensuring a well-rounded, really holistic approach. So to kick things off, let's talk about sweat. I think we all know that moving our bodies and exercising is good for us, but it really gives your immune system the TLC that it needs, and it allows you to make gains in your anti-inflammatory efforts. When you break a sweat, your body goes through a series of really incredible physiological changes. With the most obvious way of breaking a sweat being exercise, your heart rate increases, you're pumping more blood and more oxygen throughout your body, and this enhances circulation and allows immune cells to travel more effectively, almost like patrolling your body for any potential threats and act on them before we even start to feel any kind of symptoms. Now, our skin serves as the body's initial defense against foreign pathogens. When you break a sweat, you're not only cooling down, but you're also releasing an antimicrobial peptide known as dermacidin. This little peptide has demonstrated really powerful antimicrobial properties, which essentially it's creating a protective shield around your body. Think of it as your body's proactive measure to fend off any kind of potential infections. So the more that you sweat, the more of this little protective shield that you have. And let's also not forget that sweat is supporting our body's natural ability to detoxify. When you rid your body of toxins through sweat, there's less for your immune system to react to. For some reason, every single time I talk about sweating in an effort to detox, I always think about when you have a hangover. So when you have a hangover and you maybe have like diarrhea or a headache or you're throwing up a bunch, that's your body's effort to get rid of all of the excess alcohol. So one of the things that can actually help you, it might not feel that way when you're hungover, but one of the things that could actually really help you when you are hungover to help your body get rid of the toxin, which is the alcohol, is to break a sweat. One of the last benefits of sweating includes an increase in the production of macrophages. Macrophages are white blood cells that play a really important role in identifying and eliminating harmful pathogens. I call them macrophages. I've heard of people calling them macrophages, but I'm going to say macrophages. So think of macrophages as Pac-Man, and they're going around your body eating the little ghosts, which are the pathogens. And by breaking a sweat, you're helping your body make more of these Pac-Man macrophages to put your body into a more surveillance protective mode. Now, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, the most obvious way to break a sweat is by exercising. What are some other ways to increase your heart rate, body temperature, and break a sweat that may not be technically exercising? So whenever I say exercising, people kind of just suck their teeth and Everybody knows that they need to exercise, but nobody wants to do it. So what are other things that you can do? One option is to sit in a sauna. So a sauna, you're spending time in this really hot room. It's literally, I think, above 100 degrees, maybe, um, or even a steam room. And it elevates your body temperature, leading you to produce sweat. So that's a great way to support circulation and your body's natural detoxification systems if maybe hitting the gym isn't in the books for you today, and maybe a little sauna session is an option. Now, hear me out with this next one. Sex is also a really great way to do all three of these things. Raise your body temperature, your heart rate, and break a sweat. I mean, if you really needed another excuse to have sex, here's one. Some other sexy ways to break a sweat include a hot bath, soaking in a hot tub. Capsaicin is a extract of chili peppers. You can find them naturally in hot chili peppers. 
You can also buy capsaicin patches, and those have been shown to boost your immune system as well. You can hang out in the sun. And I know I said we're talking about non-food ways to boost your immune system, but just a one little tidbit food advice here. You can also eat spicy foods. Like I said, capsaicin is found in hot chili peppers. So if you eat foods that naturally have capsaicin in them, your heart rate will also go up and so will your body temperature and you might even break a sweat. Now let's go from breaking a sweat to cold water, specifically cold water exposure. When your body comes in contact with cold water, it activates a response known as cold thermogenesis. This process usually makes your body work to generate heat and maintain a stable internal temperature. And as a result, several physiological mechanisms kick in. First, the cold water can stimulate the production of brown adipose tissue or brown fat. Adipose tissue is fat. Unlike its counterpart, white fat, brown fat is metabolically active, so it burns calories to generate heat. This supports your immune system in making immune cells. Cold water exposure has also been linked to an increase in the production of norepinephrine, which is a neurotransmitter that plays a really important role in your body's stress response. I talked a few times about how stress can trigger norepinephrine when it comes to inflammation and stress, but this heightened stress response when experienced in moderation can actually enhance your immune system's function. It's like giving your body a wake-up call and prompting it to be more vigilant in the face of potential threats. Now, how can you expose yourself to cold water? Most straightforward way is to take a cold shower. Start by gradually increasing to colder water in your usual shower routine, and this will allow your body to acclimate. For the more adventurous souls out there, cold water immersion or ice baths are gaining crazy popularity. I see it on Instagram and TikTok all the time where these real buff dudes are like dunking their entire body into water. And a lot of the times ice is added for a really short period of time. It might sound extreme, but like I said, I've seen a lot of athletes and health enthusiasts do this and swear by it because of all the benefits for muscle recovery. But this also supports your immune system as well. But if this seems like a bit much, honestly, in my opinion, I'm not going to take an ice water bath. You can also consider just ending your shower with a blast of cold water. This I actually did try. And it's currently where I'm still at. Will I ever work my way up to submerging my entire body in ice water? I don't know, but that's just me. The third way to boost your immune system that has nothing to do with food, manage your stress. I've mentioned this so many times in other podcast episodes. When stress becomes chronic, the body releases cortisol, a hormone that's associated with the fight or flight response. While this response is really important for immediate threats, prolonged exposure to high cortisol levels can suppress the immune system. On the flip side, effective stress management techniques can really help regulate cortisol levels and promote the release of endorphins. You know these things as feel-good neurotransmitters. Endorphins not only act as a natural painkiller, but they also play a role in enhancing immune function. Endorphins have been shown to help strengthen our immune system by making more antibodies, create more lymphocytes, and increase cytotoxicity of natural killer cells. Cytotoxicity meaning natural killer cells' ability to kill other harmful cells, especially those related to inflammation and even tumor cells. So considering the powerful immune-boosting potential of stress management, let's talk about a few ways to manage stress. 
In a world where stress seems to be your ever-present bestie, the idea of adding more things to your list in order to manage that stress might sound overwhelming and stressful, very ironic. But let's not get too carried away. Stress management isn't about squeezing in additional obligations. It's about finding what resonates with you. If journaling or yoga isn't your thing, there's no need to force it into your routine. The beauty of stress management lies in adaptability. It should be whatever brings you genuine relief and calmness. And we have to recognize that this varies from person to person. So for some people, they may like to journal and do yoga and take baths with candles and essential oils. For other people, stress management can be going out for a run, lifting weights, blasting music on the way home from work, having some tea, watching your favorite movie. It can be as complex or as simple as you want it to be. Even something as simple as holding something warm in your hands or even closing your eyes and visualizing something warm in your hands like sand on a beach can create a massive impact with your stress levels. I've actually used this technique. It's literally, I think, I shouldn't say literally, I think it's called like a hand warming technique that I used when I had a newborn and I needed something incredibly simple to help me manage stress. And it actually did make me feel calm. So you just close your eyes and you, there's an actual science behind this, by the way. You can close your eyes and even just picture yourself holding a really warm cup or picture just digging your hands into the sand at the beach. I can't remember the actual science behind it at this very moment, but it does show to induce the sense of calmness when you feel really anxious or stressed out. So with stress management, the options are really endless and they're totally up to you, but the point is to incorporate something on a regular basis to support and strengthen your immune system. You don't wanna neglect it because you feel like this is something else that you have to do. Just incorporate something simple that comes to you naturally. Another thing to keep in mind is your internal self-talk. This is another thing that I think most people kind of think is woo-woo, but there's actual science here too. When we speak positively to ourselves, our brain releases neuropeptides, which are small proteins that facilitate communication between neurons. These neuropeptides directly impact our stress response by promoting feelings of joy and contentment. Simultaneously, our body cortisol levels go down. This hormonal shift creates balance in our body and reduces overall stress levels. Research even shows that individuals who practice regular positive self-talk exhibit more improved immune functions. This includes enhanced antibody production, increased activity of natural killer cells, which remember, natural killer cells are the cells in our immune system that go after the inflammatory cells and even tumor cells. And positive self-talk increases your immune system's resilience. It makes it stronger. Internal self-talk isn't just about having positive affirmations. It's about how you speak to yourself and how you carry yourself. If affirmations like, I am strong enough and I am enough work for you, by all means, power to you, go for it. But I'm talking more about when we speak to ourselves in a way that's just negative. So things like, I'm not smart enough to do X or I'll never be able to do Y or there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to run a mile. Things like that, those little indirect ways of speaking to yourself have been shown to weaken your immune system. We are what we think we are, and we become what we think we are. So if you think crappy thoughts about yourself, you're going to feel crappy. 
So trying to be a bit more mindful and catching yourself when you speak to yourself in this kind of negative way is really important and can really support your immune system. And finally, the last way to boost your immune system that has nothing to do with food is sleep. There are different stages of sleep, and during those stages, your body undergoes several essential processes that influence stress levels and immune function. Sleep is intricately connected to the regulation of cortisol, which is, again, the stress hormone. Consistent and quality sleep helps maintain a balance of cortisol. When we're sleep-deprived, cortisol levels can remain elevated, and this leads to a heightened stress response, and it can put a lot of work on your immune system and make it weak and vulnerable. On the flip side, adequate sleep contributes to optimal cortisol regulation, and it creates a more resilient stress response and immune system. Sleep is a period of heightened immune activity. So during sleep, your body is producing more cytokines, which are proteins crucial for immune response. We talk a lot about cytokines in the context of them being bad or a sign that something is wrong, which is true. So if you have an increased production of cytokine, meaning you have way too many cytokines, yes, that is an indication that something is wrong. But at the end of the day, cytokines, we produce them naturally and they have a purpose, which is to defend our bodies against infection and illness. Lack of sleep, on the other hand, can compromise the production of these vital immune components and make us more susceptible to illness and health issues. Research consistently demonstrates that individuals who consistently get enough sleep exhibit more robust and strong immune systems. This translates to an increased resistance to infection, right? So it's becoming more resilient and it helps improve your antibody response. So it makes them more sharp and it's enhancing overall immune function, which we all want, especially if we're dealing with inflammation. In order to reap these benefits from sleep, we have to prioritize quality sleep by creating a comfortable sleep environment and avoiding stimulants close to bedtime. This is another area where I don't think you need to get too fancy, but let's be honest. There are times where I drink the chamomile tea and I'm calm and relaxed before bed and I still may not have the best night because... I'm too hot or I can't get comfortable or I just have too much on my mind. There are just some things that we can't control, but we should still try to keep our sleep habits in check because consistency is key here. Some of the things that you can do on a regular basis that are simple but impactful are having some kind of digital wind down ritual. So creating this tech-free zone or tech-free environment at least an hour before bedtime. The blue light that comes from your screens can interfere with melatonin production and it disrupts your circadian rhythm. You can buy blue light glasses or use lenses with blue light filtering, but our phones and screens also stimulate us. So instead of trying to wind down with your phone, try reading a book if you can. Me personally, I find comfort in having something on my TV, but I do have blue light filtering glasses that I wear all the time. And in my opinion, and I'm just speaking for myself, When I do have something on TV, especially when it's kind of close to bedtime, I will make sure that it's something that's not too crazy. So I'm not going to watch John Wick 4 before I go to bed, but I'll just have something that's a little more calm on the screen. And again, that's just me. I feel like I live in the middle of nowhere and I need a little noise in the background. You can also try aromatherapy. So if you want to introduce some calming scents into your sleep space, Typically for me, I'll use lavender. Um, There's also chamomile and valerian. 
Um, these are also known to be really relaxing and, and have relaxing properties. You can use these essential oils in an oil diffuser or what I do sometimes is I'll put them on my wrists or even on my pillow um, if it's a spray or something like that. So I can do that or you can try that. You can also make sure that your room is at a really good temperature. So you need to find your sleep sweet spot by adjusting the room temperature to a cooler environment. Usually for a lot of people, this is around 60 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, this has been shown to promote better sleep. You can also just experiment and discover what temperature works best for you. I know that I sleep better when it's a bit cooler in the room, but it's totally up to you. You can also try nighttime journaling. This would be a really good way to just get all the stuff out there before bedtime. If you have a lot on your mind, if you have stressors, if you got into an argument with someone right before bed and now you're all pumped up and you got to get all of this crap out of your system and you don't want to yell and argue with your husband at 10 o'clock at night, you can just write it down and get it all out before bed. I've done this a few times and it actually does work. I've never been that big of a journaling person, but this actually does help before bed. So supporting your immune system doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you're just starting out or you've got some troubling symptoms or a recent diagnosis. It should not be difficult at all. The same way I preach about starting small and staying consistent for more impactful changes and progress, the same can be said the other way around. The small things that we do that we don't pay attention to can compound and build on one another and make us feel sick. If we flip the script and do simple things like leaving your phone alone for an hour before bed or breaking a sweat, those small little things, the little things that you do every day can build on one another and create positive impact that can improve your health and help you take charge of your health. So that is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, please, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend. Don't forget to reach out to me at Better With Carbo on Instagram. Let me know which strategy you're going to use within the next week to help you boost your immune system. Until next time, same time, same place.